Hello and welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger. And I'm Jeff Schutze. How was your Thanksgiving, Jeff? It was good. It was nice. How was yours? It was very good. We had Friendsgiving here. It was wonderful. It was a lovely, brisk 70 degrees in Southern California, which I appreciate. That is my speed. <laughs> I'm still eating turkey. I'm already tired of it, and I still have a refrigerator full of turkey. Fortunately, I have like four pies. Oh my to gosh. Still go through. Yeah. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, what I'm kind of down pies? for that. There is. Pecan pie. I have two pumpkin pies and what was the last one? I think it's like half an apple pie. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting through those, but the turkey, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> You're like, why must I suffer so? <laughs> so we have a lot to go over today. We're very excited. So first up, what is happening in the news? So in the news, first off, is that the Lion King trailer apparently broke a bunch of preview viewing records for Disney. And I got this from Entertainment Weekly. In the 24 hours following the teaser trailer's release, the first look at director Jon Favreau's photorealistic CGI beasts garnered 224.6 million views online. It's the second most viewed trailer in a single day from any studio, trailed only by the trailer for Avengers Infinity War, which racked up 238 million views. So that's pretty great, and both by Disney, so I'm sure, you know, they don't <laughs> care that it didn't actually overtake the Avengers. Since, oh, they're they're know. doing fine. I'm yeah. not worried about Disney. Oh, yeah. They're fine. Yeah. Did you see this trailer? I did see the trailer. I was part of that 224 million people. We watched it on Thanksgiving, all of us together, on the big screen. We were very impressed, and then we were just waiting for Beyonce's name, and when her name appeared, we cheered. Nice. Because that's what you do. But the cast looks great. It is rather funny, though, because I'm watching this going, this looks fantastic. It also looks exactly the same. Yeah. So they keep calling it live action. It's CGI. Yeah. It's a CGI movie. So it's a CGI remake of a 2D film. Pretty great on all levels. So there oh, yeah. you go. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. You know... When I first pushed play, I was a little skeptical, but I have to admit, by the time the little lion's being lifted up into the air and they're mm -hmm. all bowing to him, I am started to get a little misty-eyed. I was like, I'm totally in. <laughs> I was joking with Wayman because we were watching that preview, and before we had seen it, we were joking about what we thought they were going to have in it, and he goes, I bet they're going to have an image of Simba with his paw in a giant paw, and then they showed it, and I looked at Wayne, and I went, there you go, there's your paw. <laughs> nice. You know you have to do that, but, I mean, it looks great. Simba looks adorable. It was just an adorable little lion cub, mm -hmm. but I'm wondering, I'm wondering how they'll make it different. Mm -hmm. from The Lion King, if they'll make it different at all. I'm also wondering if maybe they'll incorporate some of the songs from the Broadway show, because oh, yeah. that would be very interesting to see. Mm -hmm. So, so far it looks good. I'm reserving judgment till I actually see the movie. I'm sure the movie will be fine, but I'm just curious if I'm going to walk out of it going, it's, it's the same. Same here. I'm hoping that they do take a detour from it. And we can't really tell from the trailer because the trailer looks so similar, but I'm hoping that, yeah, they just take a different way because I don't want to keep comparing it in my head while I'm watching it to the animated version because the animated version's a classic and I love it. So 
I don't know how it can be as good as the animated version, but if they do something different, then I won't be comparing it. Maybe. But then again, it runs the risk of if it's too different, mm-hmm. having people go, but it's not the Lion King. It's this other thing now. And so it's kind of this, it's almost a no-win mm-hmm. situation. Damned but if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, like, so yeah. I don't know, but we'll find out next year. Yes. And for the second story in the news, it looks like Netflix just unveiled two films, a limited series, and three shows. So this is exciting. And I got this news from Engadget. They say, as Disney gears up for its own streaming service, Netflix is adding to its slate of family content, and it just revealed six new animated projects that are in the works. The newly announced films include My Father's Dragon, which tells the story of a young runaway who goes off in search of a captive dragon, and The Willoughbys, an adaptation of a Lois Lowry novel about four children abandoned by their parents. My Father's Dragon comes from Oscar-nominated director Nora Tuomi and is written by Oscar-nominated Inside Out writer Meg LaFave. Ooh. Yeah. And then this next one I'm really excited about. So they've also greenlit a limited series called Maya and the Three from Jorge Gutierrez, who will direct some of the series' nine episodes and co-write the others. He told Variety that he wants the show to be like a Mexican Lord of the Rings, but hilarious. <laughs> I'm so in. Like, that sounds amazing. The series will feature a female hero, half human and half divine, and will be set in a mythical Mesoamerican-inspired world. Additionally, Netflix has backed Kid Cosmic, a series from Powerpuff Girls creator Craig McCracken about a boy who dreams of becoming a hero but struggles with his powers once he's actually transformed into one. That sounds great, too. I just love that Netflix is just... Just everybody. Yeah. Everybody's going over there. Live action people are going over there. Mm -hmm. People that work in animation are going over there. They're just sweeping up all the talent. Oh, yeah. It just seems seems like we're always reading news about Netflix and how they're gathering talent and how they're creating these new shows. I'm just, wow, this is going to be insane. Yep. And lots of jobs. Yes. Lots of jobs. So jobs for days and all of our favorite creators making really good shows Mm -hmm. and just making different things. I like that. It's things that we haven't really seen before. Mm-hmm. So, and I feel like eventually that'll trickle down into what's on the networks and cable as well because they're competing with this. So, it's not going to be able to be the same type of entertainment. So, then they'll be stepping up their game. So, I think that high tide raises all boats. It'll just end up making everything better because they'll see that and go, oh, well, we need something that's really amazing too. Okay. What do we have? We don't have anything yet? Okay, let's go make some stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, this could be the start of an amazing, another kind of renaissance in animation. And I think this is just going to be a great time for animators and storyboard artists and all the creative people to be getting into this right now. Yes. So get your portfolios ready. Get your pitches ready. Apply. Go to cons. Do all the things. Yeah, you sent me something about Netflix looking for talent, you know, I submitted my stuff. I know friends who submitted, you know, submitted their stuff. It's a good time to get in. Mm-hmm. So do it. Absolutely. And for our last story, it looks like a lost Oswald short from Disney was discovered in Japan, which just seems so cool. I love when these little, especially because I'm such a hoarder and a collector, <laughs> you know, all these toys and comics that I've bought since I was a kid. Hopefully I will find a diamond in the rough just like this guy. <laughs> So this story comes from Animation Magazine. 
An animation historian in Japan has come forward with a lost Oswald the Lucky Rabbit cartoon, which had been in his collection for 70 years. The plucky bunny character created by Walt Disney and Ub Iwerks was a precursor to Mickey Mouse. Yasushi Watanabe, now 84 years old, had bought the 2-minute 16mm cartoon from a toy wholesaler in Osaka when he was a teenager for 500 yen, which is less than $5 you know, USD at the current exchange rate. Originally titled Neck and Neck, this film had been labeled Mickey Manga Speedy, <laughs> which translates to Mickey Cartoon Speedy, apparently. It was only when Watanabe read Disney animator David Bossert's 2017 book, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, The Search for the Lost Disney Cartoons, that he realized what he had. That's pretty amazing. That is amazing. Just this whole story, the fact that it ended up in Japan by a toy wholesaler, that this guy bought it, and that he remembered that he had it, too. Yeah. Because, you know, he's now getting up in years. Just all these different things had to happen for him to know it. You know, he had to be the one to buy it. He had to be interested in it. He had this book. He read it. And then he happened to go, oh, wait, I think I've seen this. Yeah, that's amazing. I think I read somewhere that another one of the shorts was found in Britain. So it's kind of amazing to me that animation was so universal even back then that these shorts could be lost around the world that's pretty amazing i think it is amazing too because i mean we're talking about the 20s that's not a time period where you're thinking people are going to be swapping animation yeah but apparently yeah. especially on 16 millimeter no like, wow. and that, the fact that it's i'm wondering too what condition it's in mm -hmm. because you know those old films you know sometimes you open them and it just turns to dust oh yeah so just the fact that they even have it that they can restore it that they can watch it yeah i can't wait till this is available to watch mm -hmm. because i love those old oswald shorts so i love the character i think he's really cool and even just as a piece of history i love seeing just how many similarities there are between oswald and mickey so I hope they find all of them. That would be great. Yeah. And, you know, they just might. They so might. the call is out. Check your basements. You never yeah. know. <laughs> I definitely do not have one of them, <laughs> unfortunately. Don't, don't worry. Just wait 40 years. Yeah. Something that you currently have is what someone else is looking for. <laughs> fingers crossed. Just fingers crossed. Yes. Just, Otherwise, just, my <laughs> I have completely wasted my life. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> But that's it for news. So next up, we have three events happening in the month of December. And as always, links for the events will be in the show notes as well as on the website. So first up, Women in Animation is offering their group mentoring program. Applications are now open through November 30th. And what this is, is a professional mentor is paired with four to six student mentees. And the goal is to get female students into the animation workforce. And the qualifications as well as the application for this program are located on the Women in Animation website. And then next up, Noman School is offering a talk on the Art of Firewall Zero Hour, an evening of VR with First Contact Entertainment. And this is on Thursday, December 6th at 7.30. And so if you've ever wondered what goes into the making of a AAA shooter for virtual reality, this is the event for you. The guest speakers will be Aaron Kaminer, the art director, Bill Buckley, the animation director, and Mike DeMio, the lead environment artist. So make sure to check that out. And then finally, Gallery Nucleus is having a Q&A and book signing for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. 
we're very excited about this. This is happening on Saturday, December 15th. It's going to be at 2 p.m. And you can find out more about that on their website. But what they're going to do is they're going to have a panel and a book signing, and they're also going to be offering the art book for sale. And they're going to have a number of featured artists who worked on the film. So you'll get a chance to meet them as well. So make sure to check that out. That sounds great. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to this whole thing. Oh, Just yeah. Looking forward to seeing the movie, looking forward to the book signing. It looks really cool. I like the animation styles. Oh, yeah. I'm pumped. I love the character. Miles Morales is awesome. Everything I've been hearing and seeing for this movie just looks like a whole fresh new take on Spider-Man. I love it. Sounds good. So that brings us to what we've been watching. So, Jeff, what have you been watching? Okay, first off, I saw Fantastic Beasts 2, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Ooh, what did you think? I wanted to like this so much. I love the Harry Potter books and movies, and I... Like the first Fantastic Beast, I didn't love it, but I thought it set up a good foundation for what the next movie could be. And unfortunately, I was left disappointed. I think this movie series is just too dark and serious for its own good and just kind of the plot is very convoluted. And I think when I was watching this movie, I was kind of thinking about the Harry Potter films. And one of the things that I think makes the Harry Potter films work is that the first few books were just fun. It was fun spending time with Harry and going to this magical school, you know, filled with living chocolate frogs and stinky jelly beans and all that stuff. It was just fun. And the adventures were short and sweet and you got to really know the characters and the world. And yeah, as the books went on, they got bigger and darker, more adult. And this one kind of starts off that way where it's just big and dark and, but it didn't have that initial fun factor for oh, me. Okay. I think if Harry Potter started off with the Deathly Hollows or Half-Blood Prince, I don't think it would have been as big a property. You know, I don't think people would have been as into it. And this one, it just, they need to find the fun in this. Like, why are we with these characters? I just... Newt Scamander, the main character, he's just not really fun to hang out with. In the first film, I thought he was okay, and the people he surrounded himself with, Jacob and Queenie, and they were fun characters. In this, they don't have much to do. Grindelwald by Johnny Depp is actually... He does a good job portraying him, and I actually wanted to see more of him to see what he was about. But it just introduces more characters, more backstory, more this person is related to this person, is related to this person. And at the end of it, I was just like, you know what? I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> like the reveal at the end, because the driving force in this movie basically is to find out who Credence the kind of emo kid from the first one. Okay. Who he really is, who his parents were, where does he come from? And when it's revealed at the end, I won't spoil it, but I was like, here it comes. Here's it's going to bring everything together. This is going to make it all worth it. When it's revealed, I was just like, huh? Oh no. <laughs> like, did I know that character? Is oh. that someone I should know from the Potter films? And maybe like the super Potterheads would know who this is, but I was just kind of like 
all right, whatever. And maybe Grindelwald isn't even telling the truth about his who his parents were. But yeah, I was just kind of left the theater kind of bummed out because I did want to like it. And yeah, I'm going to watch the next one I'm in. I want to see where this is going. I like J.K. Rowling. I think she's great at building universes. And it was fun. There are a couple parts where we do go back to Hogwarts and all that stuff is great. Dumbledore is great. Jude Law portrays him. It was fine. But yeah, I want to see where it goes, but I'm just not really compelled to really be excited about this anymore. I think I've fallen out of like Uh. (laughs) with it now. How does this tie in to Harry Potter? Are these all the grandparents of these kids from the Harry Potter world? Or like, where is the connected tissue? So far, as far as I can tell, there's no one related to Harry Potter, but we do get more about Dumbledore's past. Okay. A little bit. Because Dumbledore and Grindelwald have a relationship. Dumbledore's family tree is involved in this somewhat and there's a Lestrange in this there's a bunch of characters from the Potter universe that yeah these are their grandparents or parents but the way it's tied in it's kind of like yeah so (laughs) huh that's too bad because I feel like that could be very interesting Mm -hmm. you could oh this is why this family is like this or oh these are all my favorite characters in the book and now this is their backstory like I feel like you could do a lot with that but from what you said it also just sounds like there's too many people in one movie for you to keep track of everybody oh yeah it might work better as a series I think of I haven't seen a lot of episodes of it but with Game of Thrones I know that there's a ton of characters but it's also a multi-season series Mm -hmm. and it's multiple books that are very thick so you get an opportunity to learn about everybody. So it sounds like maybe this would have been a better television series where you could spend more time with each person. I thought the same exact thing. And mostly because I think this would work as an episodic where maybe Newt is using Fantastic Beasts in every episode. Like maybe he needs a new beast to solve this mystery, you know? And then in the next episode, he uses a different beast. In this, it feels like the beasts are pretty shoehorned into it you know that there is a really cool beast it's kind of a chinese dragon cat thing that is beautifully animated looks amazing and there's also this kind of kelp creature and whatever but they didn't really affect the plot all that much and i wanted to see more fantastic beasts it's called fantastic beasts (laughs) give us more and you get our fantastic (laughs) uh and yeah i thought like you were saying, we could get more into these characters. The way they do it in the the movie is they just kind of list a bunch of, okay, so this person is related to this, and this person was swapped, and you thought this person was related over here, but actually not. And after a while, my brain was just like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is unfortunate, because I really do like the wizarding world, and I do want the series to be successful because I want them to make more. I just, I hope that the next one, they tighten up the story and make it kind of a fun adventure before they get into, oh, this is dark and dark times are coming and all this stuff, especially since we know they're going to get out of it because this is a prequel to the Harry Potter series. So, Uh, you know. That's always the tough part of, Mm -hmm. it lessens the drama because you know that clearly they all just don't die. Right. Because... 
then there would be no other movies or nothing really, really bad happens mm-hmm. because there'd be no other movies. And that's, that's too bad. Cause then you have the issue of, okay, we just, but we still need to have this of drama and be exciting, but how can we do that when we already know what the outcome's going to be? Right. Yeah. Because in the Harry Potter movies and books, I mean, hopefully this isn't a spoiler. Hopefully you've seen these things, but Grindelwald is already in prison in those books. Mm-hmm. And, Dumbledore is the headmaster of Hogwarts. So we know that ends up okay. You know what movie did it well? Rogue One. And (laughs) as y'all know, I'm not a huge fan of Star Wars. But I thought Rogue One did it well because if you know Star Wars, there's a line in episode four where they say, many people, I'm not, I don't know the line. You guys just (laughs) don't get on me for this, all right? But... (laughs) You know, there's that line where, like, many people lost their lives to bring us these plans. So you already know none of these people are going to make it. But you still care about them. And that's the high point of the movie where I still felt sad, even though I knew exactly what was going to happen to every single one of them. Mm -hmm. You still cared when all of that happened. You're like, oh, no. And it's like, well, well, yeah, that was going to happen. Oh, right. Uh, you know, you still feel <laughs> upset. And they did a good job because you, they developed them all well enough where they all had personalities. There was a reason why all of them were there. They weren't just shoehorned into the movie. They had a unique purpose. They fulfilled their purpose. And I thought that was done well. So you can have something like that where you, you know from the get-go this isn't going to end well, but it's, have it still be good. But that's hard. Yeah. Well, I think that'll be the trick going forward for this series is to make us care about these characters because we haven't seen some of these characters in this movie in the later films, you know, in the Harry Potter films and books. So they could die. We don't know. But if we don't care about them, then it's not going to matter. Mm-hmm. You got to make us care. Yes. All right, and then we also watched Ralph Breaks the Internet. We have to go to an Asifa Hollywood screening at Walt Disney Feature, which was super fun. They have a fantastic setup because it's Disney. So they have a wonderful theater. We got free popcorn. We got free water. It was very nice. They had a Q&A afterwards with the directors, the producers, people that worked on the animation team, the writer. It was all very well done. I very much liked the movie. I thought it was great. I was very curious what it was going to be like, and I thought they did a very good job. And we'll try not to spoil it too much, but the Disney princesses were great. All the jokes. All the jokes. Just all the jokes. It was just so good. Very much enjoyed it. What did you think? I liked it. I didn't like it as much as you, I think, Mm -hmm. but it was fun. The animation was beautiful. The performances were great. Like you said, the Disney princesses stuff was hilarious just great every time we were with the princesses i was like i love this Mm -hmm. this is great i did think that the actual story and the theme of the movie were pretty adult i thought i was happy that it wasn't just another oh you need to believe in yourself or love will save the day or friendship will save the day this was more like a very kind of man sometimes you need to not let friendships go, but friendships evolve, you know, and you have to be ready for that. And you have to let your friends evolve even when that might not involve yourself. I just thought that was really cool. I love that. The only thing I 
wasn't as much into the whole internet thing as I would have liked. I was kind of, I wanted this to be, because he's a video game character and he's an old school coin-op character, he's basically kind of like Donkey Kong or whatever. When I heard that he was going to the internet, I wanted him to go to, say, a World of Warcraft or like a big, multi-massive online experience or Grand Theft Auto or, you know, online, something like that, which they kind of did. They mm -hmm. have this kind of racing online world, but instead they went with, you know, where they're doing memes and fun stuff on the internet. Like there's kind of a Facebook thing. There's kind of a BuzzFeed YouTube thing, which was fun. It just wasn't as engaging to me as I would hope, but I still like the movie a lot and I love this universe. And if they make a third one, I'll totally be there. Yeah, it's funny because one of the reasons I really liked is actually the opposite reason. Because I know more about the internet than I do about video games. So for me, it was like, oh, but I can relate to this because I spend too much time going through all of these different things. So it was, I thought that was really good. And also, I loved all the jokes with all of the sites that just aren't really around anymore like they had a thing for netscape and for GeoCities that was very funny and it was funny because we were there with our friend isaiah i laughed isaiah laughed i could hear about 10 other people in the audience laughing so there was a handful of people in there that went oh i see what you just did there that was good yeah. good job but i agree with you though on the story because it was very much hey it's okay if your friend isn't super into everything that you're still into and it's fine. And if they want to go off and do something else, that's okay. And you don't get that in stories for children. You don't get that in animation at all. It's usually friendship, all about the power of friendship. And we have to unite and do the exact same thing and be on the same page at all times. And I liked that they decided, no, you really don't. And it's okay. And another thing I liked, and this is a big spoiler, so... You guys have been warned. They didn't do the thing which they've been doing in all their other movies, which is, you know this one character that you think is actually their friend? It's not! It's the villain! They didn't do that. And I was so glad. It was very refreshing to essentially, you know, they didn't have this big, crazy, I've always wanted this and no one believed in me, but now I'm going to you know, do everything and make everything terrible for you. They didn't do that. They also didn't do the thing which I can't stand, which is they're not really a villain. They're just sad. Mm. And now that they're no longer sad, everything is okay. And they didn't do that either. And it was great. Yeah. So I really appreciated that. They went in a different direction. Yeah, I love the character. I thought Gal Gadot's character her name shank yeah she's <laughs> great she's great she's like, so good she's so fun and i just wanted to hang out with her character even more i know because it, it was it was just so fun i, loved, I loved that world when they went there and they're looking around just thought, oh y'all are gonna die y'all need to get out of here as soon as possible <laughs> this is this is not good i know what this is this is this is not good at all <laughs> but then when she sings about it oh that was great <laughs> then I it makes it. it look oh actually oh, this place you is just need cool. to find a puddle of water yeah any water <laughs> And you know what other character I liked? I can't remember the name of him, but 
It was the Quato guy. Oh, that's <laughs> what I loved was in the Q and A. This this small child, they were probably about ten, goes, mm-hmm. "Why did you have this character? Were they supposed to be funny or scary? What was or this? Gross. Gross. What was this?" And the direct one of the directors goes, "You know, I wanted it to be like Quattro." And you and I looked at each other like, "This kid's never seen Total Recall. He has no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> Yeah, it was, was great. great. All the adults laughed, and all the kids just kind of went, what? Like, What's what? happening? What? We don't yeah. understand. <laughs> but we were laughing. We were laughing. No, it's like, see, go watch Total Recall, you guys. It's a, it, I don't, it's an interesting movie. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I don't know. When I was a kid seeing it, I thought, ooh, this is really dark and scary and weird. And as an adult, you're like, what's happening here? Yeah. But it's, it's still pretty good. But it's good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I recently watched it, and it still holds up for me. I mm-hmm. like it. Especially Quato. watch this movie (laughs) but yeah this movie is good and I liked I mean some of the animation especially at the end with the big Ralph I don't want to spoil but it looked so good yeah and yeah I don't know how much rendering time that required but wow what they're able to do now compared because I just I watched an older CG film that for the time it was it was made in 2008 for the time it was good but you see what they can do now and it's only 10 years is not that long of a period and even from Toy Story to now the level that we're at now with what we're able to do with hair and skin and simulations and special effects it's astounding to me how amazing all of this looks now. And in the racing game too, I mean, you felt like you were in a game. And they did they did a lot of angles that you often see in live action with the cameras moving back and forth. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is very well done and also difficult to do. This is not an easy thing, mm-hmm. like you said, to be able to render this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just looking at the game consoles we have now with the xbox and playstation and even the switch the games coming out are almost pixar quality you know older pixar (laughs) but it's still pretty amazing well yeah like red dead redemption 2 we were just talking about this Mm -hmm. i mean you look at that and then you look at pong from this pac-man you're just like how how did we go from this to this this is amazing i always think about that while i'm playing games I'm always like, if I could go back in time and show my younger self, this is what's going to happen to video games, if I would believe it. If I'd yeah. just be like, no, my mind would melt. Or just go even far, I mean, even farther, like, back when movies were first invented. Oh, you mm-hmm. think this is impressive. Oh, yeah. You don't even know. You don't even know yeah. what's going And then I wonder, 20 years from now, you know, will it be like a... Back to the Future Part 2. Was he watching Jaws 18? Where yeah. the shark comes down <laughs> to <right>. eat him? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what's, what's, on, what's in the horizon? But mm. it's a really good movie. So yeah. recommend it. You guys go and see it. It's very fun. And that brings us to our main event. So we are very happy to have our second part of our interview with Crystal Stromer. In this interview, she talks in more detail about working on Teen Titans Go to the Movies, as well as her work on Unikitty for Cartoon Network. So, Jeff, how did you feel about part two? Oh, it's great. I love hearing about Unikitty, you know, what she was doing after Teen Titans Go to the Movies. And I appreciate it when she was talking about the animation industry and 
what it's like for animators. That yes, well, just listen to the interview. <laughs> <laughs> listen and y'all will understand. Yes. <laughs> no, but we very much enjoyed having Crystal on the show. And I'm sure she'll be back again because she's just going up and up and up and up and up. So the next time she directs another movie, we'll have her here too. So without further ado, we're proud to present episode 85 interview with Crystal Stromer, part two. So then work on this movie. Yes. The movie ends. <laughs> a month later, you're able to relax. Yeah. Watch the movie. It's fine. <laughs> so tell us then how we're able then to jump back onto Unikitty or get to Unikitty. It was a weird adjustment to Unikitty. I took about two weeks off between the movie and Unikitty. I slept for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> And then just hung out for a week. I remember I was like so... Because I worked like a lot of overtime on the movie and like everything was like, like we have to get it done. So I remember like coming to Unikitty and being like, what do I need to do? I'm just animating on Unikitty. So it was just like, when do you need it done? What do you need to do? Like, do I need to do crazy amount of overtime? Like, what are we doing? And the animation director, my friend Anna, is just, no, it's okay. Like, <laughs> you're okay, just get the scenes done. And I was like, no, but are you sure? Is there a fire we have to put out? And so it took a little bit of adjustment to not only... The the pace of it but just kind of going back to like I don't have to worry about a crew I don't have to worry about the overall thing I just I have my scenes and this is what I do for the week and oh it's kind of laid back so it was an interesting shift going from like overseeing an animation crew and like working so crazy to just being like okay this is what I gotta do for the week <laughs> <laughs> But it's been nice. I kept joking with them that it would be like retirement. <laughs> I kept telling Anna, I was like, I'm going to Unikitty retirement after this. <laughs> it's really interesting jumping back and forth between the animation directing and just animating. Because unfortunately with the movie, I didn't get to animate a whole lot. It's cool because you feel the ownership of it because it's like from what it was to what is on screen. You're like, oh, cool. Like I had a hand in making the overall movie look better which is awesome you know and being able to work with some really talented animators teaching them and learning from them just all of that to just going back and animating again which i miss i like just being able to like get into a character's head and make them act and make them move which do you prefer I ping pong back and forth because mm -hmm. there's something inherently satisfying about just being able to have your scenes when you're done and you're like, oh, you know, Unikitty is a real character and she's moving and she's talking and it's cartoony, it's fun. There's something very zen about just being able to sit there. But on the other hand, I really like working with other people, overseeing a crew. I got to work with a couple younger animators and seeing them grow. One of our effects animators in-house was just so amazing. So able to guide them to be like stronger animators. And then again, just, I don't know, getting to be a part of an overall project is very satisfying in its own way. So I kind of ping pong back and forth. <laughs> I like them both. That's good. Well, it sounds like you can go from director to animator, director to animator. Yeah. So you'll be an animator on Unikitty as well, <laughs> and the next part will be director. Hopefully. You yeah. I love animation, mm -hmm. so as long as I'm doing something that's involved, you know, whether or not it's actual animating or being able to make the animation stronger, I'm just happy I get to do it at all. Right, right. <laughs> It's probably good for your blood pressure too that you're going from high stress crazy yeah. you know to uh, i can actually yeah. think about other things while i'm doing my job yeah it's real nice yeah because then like i don't know get to kind of do stuff on my off time mm -hmm. it was like on the movie it was mostly the movie i was got to take like an art class on the side that was like my only it was like tuesday nights was my welding class night <laughs> <laughs> what did you weld 
I took a couple different classes. I took like a Calder mobile class mm-hmm. to learn how to make mobiles. And then I took a moving sculpture class, Ooh. which was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> sounds really cool. It's really fun. It's great getting away from the computer and doing something. Making com- something with your hands. Yeah. Like... Hands and fire and <laughs> metal and yeah. Burn away all your stress. Yeah, actually there was one night in the mobile making class. I had a particularly rough day and I had these like things that I wanted to form into leaves. And my teacher was just like, well, you can have this and you can like roll it. So it kind of bends like a giant pasta machine. He's like, mm-hmm. or, and he like brings out a sandbag with mallets. <laughs> and he's like, or you could use these. And I was like, mallets, mallets. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, ah. <laughs> Yeah. It was very therapeutic. It was very therapeutic. <laughs> I was just like, no, no, these, these are fine. <laughs> Thank you. Is that why you did that class? Because it was somewhat therapeutic? Or is it because you just like working in different media? It was a combination of stuff. I was doing a lot of different animation classes a couple of years ago. I took animation mentor, I took stop motion class. And I was kind of classed out and my friend had like sent me this thing as a joke. Like, oh, would you like to do welding? And I was like, actually, that looks great. <laughs> and I don't know, a couple of years passed and it either like didn't work out or I'd forgotten about it. And I think this time it kind of worked out. The schedule worked out. So it was like therapy. I'm not going to focus all my energy on the movie. I have something else to do. Mm-hmm. I do like as an artist doing other stuff especially like mixed media i love learning about how to do things that i'm like i've never done stuff with metal before i'd love to see if maybe i really like doing that so yeah it was kind of just the right time i think to do it i'd like to start making my own stuff again so i'm wondering because you're one of the few people that i've met in the animation industry who's been able to be an animator in the industry and (laughs) consistently animate on different shows Is animation increasing? Are there more 2D opportunities now? Or do you feel like it's pretty much the same, but if you can get to a certain level, you'll be able to find those jobs? Um, Yeah, I think it's pretty much the same. It might be increasing a little bit. I know at Warner Brothers, there's a show where they're doing like half the show in-house, which is great. But unfortunately, I don't see like the trend really happening. I would love it if it did just a little bit more. I think if you can be like a solid animator, there's still job opportunities, either for the smaller houses, they're still doing some stuff in house. There's a lot of stuff at Warner Brothers, like Unikitty, and there's Titans or some of the other projects where it could either be doing retakes on polishing scenes. So there's still, in television at least, there's still a number of animation jobs around. It's a little bit more sparse, but we're always looking for solid animators. Sometimes it's hard to find more experienced animators around. So it's like if you could keep working in the industry as an animator and get really good and get experience, you'll have an easy time finding jobs because people are looking for that. That's good to hear. (laughs) It is good to hear. Well, it's very good to hear because it's been enough time where I think now people realize if you want to be a 2D animator in the United States and work in feature, that's essentially a no. Mm -hmm. But there are people out there that love animation that would be perfectly happy working on television shows and commercials and whatnot. And I was wondering for all of them out there, the opportunities, do they exist? Because even though we're, you know, we're an animation podcast, we handle all aspects of animation, but we haven't actually had a whole lot of animators on the show. We have a lot of board (laughs) artists and background designers and they're all great. But I just wonder about the animation part of animation, how that's doing. Yeah. So that's good to hear. Yeah. 
I think right now, I mean, I primarily work in Flash. That's been my bread and butter for 16 years, I think. But Harmony is pretty prevalent right now. I know Disney, there's a bunch of the technical directors over at Disney, but they work in animation. Disney does a lot of Harmony stuff. So if you know Harmony, if you can learn that, it's a leg up. But there's some opportunities out there for animators. You know, I don't want to oversell it and be like, you know, you can get a job. But for the Titans movie, our schedule was aggressive. It was quick. We needed just solid animators that we could just throw in and be like, you know what you're doing. I'm going to give you this retake. We need it back. It was hard finding some of those. We were lucky and we found some great people, but the search was a little hard. So like I said, I think as someone who's been an animation director, I'm always looking for animators that are really solid. And so you keep practicing, you get experience. There's opportunities you can find. And then for all the people out there who... It's funny, I feel like in school especially, you know, the dream is I want to work at a big studio and then I'm going to sell show and I want to be a director at 25. <laughs> it doesn't happen, you guys. Nope. It really just doesn't happen. Mm-mm. Even for your heroes, it took longer than you think it took. So for all of those folks out there and even folks that are out of school, what are some things about being a director that you feel that people just don't know that they really need to know so they can actually do the job well and not get burnt out? As an animation director? Or just Either direct- one. Just as an animation director, you know, because now you've done BoJack, you did the Teen Titans Go to the Movies... What are some skills that you found that are just really good skills to have? As an animation director, I mean, I think you have to be able to a, communicate what you need, either drawing notes or just telling people like technically you need to be able to develop an eye so you could see real quick if there's something wrong you need to be able to focus on acting you need to adapt to the style of show something's more acting something's more comedy and be well versed in different styles of animation and just being able to work with a crew you know half of directing is working with people it's not just knowing your job but it's also being able to manage people then that's a huge part of it. That's a huge part of directing, I think. I've worked with directors that personally are like micromanaging and don't really have faith in their crew. I don't particularly respond well to those people. I think my director, Pete Michael, on the movie was so fantastic. I've known Pete for a little while too, but we never have worked together. He was, I think, such a great director and he had faith in his crew. He trusted his crew. So he let us do our thing, which as an animation director was empowering and great. I felt like he trusts me. I know what I'm doing. He knows that I'm going to do the best job that I can to make this look good. So for him, just having trust in like the background people, the borders, you know, I think is very empowering to your crew and makes you feel like you're doing this together. So yeah, just being able to work with people. And then also just as an overall director in general, understanding every part of the process, understanding if this is realistic and what you're asking these people to do is important. Because I think sometimes I've worked with people on the animation end of things where it's like the timing of boards don't work because they don't really understand. They want to see something move because they're boarding and they're not animating. But like when it comes to animation, the timing is wrong. So it's like understanding that, understanding what compositing needs. The pipeline for like every part of the process is very important. I just find it very funny 
how myself and my friends, how we used to think things would be yeah. when we were in art school and then the reality. And the reality is not bad, but the reality is reality. Because when we were in school, we thought, oh, we're going to all work at major studios. Yeah. And then in five to ten years, we're all going to be the kings and queens of industry. <laughs> and it wasn't a thing of ego. It was we were just genuinely that excited about yeah. getting into it. Uh -huh. And, you know, I've only been in the industry now for two years, but just to see how long it actually takes it's very humbling and very sobering. Yeah. And so it's at a level now where I feel like people need to know this. Yes. And not in a crush your dreams kind of way, but in no, more in of reality. a take the long view of things so that if you don't get your show after two years of doing whatever you're doing, that you're not like in the pit of despair. Yeah. Well, I also think too, like maybe you don't want to make your own show. Maybe yeah. you just want to board. Maybe mm -hmm. you just like designing backgrounds. Yeah. Maybe that's your thing. And I think that's also totally fine. Mm -hmm. Like if you just really like designing backgrounds and that's all you ever want to do, then just get really good at designing backgrounds, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And then you talk about like the major studios, but I think sometimes working at the smaller studios is almost more exciting than the bigger studios sometimes. I've worked on projects for smaller studios that are so much fun and I've had opportunities that I never would have had at bigger studios and just being able to direct things or do live action puppets or do whatever, I would never have that at the bigger studios. So if you don't get a job at a bigger studio, just look at where you are and like see the opportunities there and just, you're probably working with some talented people on some, it could be cool stuff, it could be terrible stuff. <laughs> but you know, you're working in the animation, if you're working in the animation industry, like yeah. there's things to learn. Mm -hmm. everywhere you're at maybe you'll work at a big studio maybe you'll just stay at smaller studios your whole career and that's fine too i know people that just rather do that because that's a good fit for them i think you find the studio that fits you studios have different personalities some you click with some you don't and you know there's nothing wrong with that i agree with that i will repeat a story that our director told us in history of animation class, he said, you know, you might have a job where they give you a piece of poo. Poo is not the word he used, this is a family podcast. <laughs> so they're going to give you a piece of poo. And your job is to shine it up so it's the prettiest piece of poo that anybody's ever seen. So that somebody will look at that and go, wow, that project was awful. But your part in that project was the one part we could actually watch. <laughs> I'm going to put you on this project. And I've heard that story from you yep. and from you <laughs> and many other people. They worked on projects that were nightmare shows, mm -hmm. but because they did a really good job, someone said, oh, but this part of it was great. And then they got to work on really cool stuff with really nice people. Yeah. So I feel like <laughs> yeah. just what you were saying is just do good work for whoever you're with. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Cause again, like you never know where you're going to end up or where you're going to go. I love animation. I had a good reputation. I got along with Peggy, the producer years later out of nowhere. I got an opportunity to work on this movie. Like I never thought, I've always wanted to work in feature, but I wouldn't have guessed it. So it's like, you never know where you're gonna go or where you're gonna end up. And Just have to make the most of the opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, at the smaller studios, you can learn a lot of stuff. You might not be exposed to at the bigger studios. And then you're saying as a director, knowing all that stuff really helps with your job. So oh, yeah. that sounds like a good deal. I love working at smaller studios too. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, animation, I think, is kind of fun. It's very transient business, for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. But you end up meeting a lot of people. You end up doing a lot of different types of projects, new experiences that you never thought you'd have. It's 
fun. <laughs> That's you know? why we do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you have to be open to like all these different experiences. I have one last question okay. for you. It's obvious you have a lot of experiences because you've been to so many studios and worked on so many projects. And just looking at some of your social media, like Instagram, I see that you are versed in a lot of different art forms. Now that you've worked on TV shows, movies, what would be your dream project? I know that you love the Muppets as well, oh, yeah. <laughs> but have you worked on your dream project? Or is there still something that if you could just wish into existence what would it be oh man i feel like i've worked on bits of my dream project throughout my career mm -hmm. but like never anything together if i could do like a mixed media liquid tv something like oh my god i just started watching storybots oh, have you seen storybots no. on netflix oh my god it's jib jab the show is beautiful because it's just like different mediums of its puppetry it's stop motion it's 3d mm -hmm. if i could work on something like that that would be a dream come true for me because it's like i don't know i really liked working on mad in like short formats mm -hmm. doing like a bunch of shorts i thought was really fun like you're always changing you're always doing something new so even if you don't you're like eh, i don't really like this style but i really like this style and that was really fun and you know it's constantly a challenge i would love to do something like that short format different mediums definitely puppetry someone fund this <laughs> <laughs> I'd love yeah. to see what you come yeah. up with. Something like a Mr. Rogers, Sesame Street, mixed media, mm -hmm. something like that. I have a couple ideas. Maybe cool. one day. <laughs> and there's Patreon and YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kickstart. That's right. <laughs> Kickstart your dreams. Very cool. great. Well, Crystal, it has been absolutely wonderful having you back on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Thank you for returning. <laughs> this has been so much fun. I've had a great time. It's yeah. so nice to have you back. <laughs> it's nice to talk to you anyway. It's yeah. so nice to have you back. <laughs> And that concludes part two of our interview with Crystal. Special thanks to Crystal for being a wonderful guest. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a five-star review in iTunes. All of your reviews help more and more people to find out about the show. And you can also support the show by visiting www.theanimatedjourney.com and clicking on the PayPal donation button. All of your donations help us to pay for the technical costs associated with the show. And you can now listen to the show on Spotify, as well as Stitcher Radio and Google Play. So you have many options available to you. And to see what else is going on in the world of animation, make sure to visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash theanimatedjourney. On Tumblr, the site is theanimatedjourney.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at animjourney. And Jeff, where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram at Shootsy, spelled S-H-O-O-T-Z-E-E, -E, and on Twitter and Tumblr at JeffBot, J-E-F-B-O-T. Excellent. And you can see what I've been up to lately by visiting my website, www.sketchysoul.com. On Tumblr, the site is sketchysoul.com. And on Instagram, the handle is at sketchysoul. So that is it for the year. We're taking the month of December off. So we hope that all of you out there have a wonderful holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy winter solstice. Happy whatever it is that you're going to be doing. And until next year, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody.